Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastalka, and with me today, I am happy to say I've got Jim Kunkel. Jim, welcome, my friend. Damon, it's great to be here. Hello to everybody. Looking for a great broadcast this evening. Oh, yeah. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun, Jim. So you're coming out of Pittsburgh. So is the uh, what is the weather like in Pittsburgh this time of year? Well, we're kind of getting into that period of time when things start to transition you know you start getting those early spring birds singing a little bit but occasionally you'll get a nice warm day and then it'll be below 30 degrees or 20 degrees at night but as deeper we get into march things start to get more stabilized and those pretty little flowers start to push their way out of the ground yep yep good stuff i mean just before we got on here i actually stepped outside and you know i'm in seattle and it's i think it's in the 50s today and the low 50s and not raining so there's actually a little bit of that yellow orb in the sky shining on me which we don't see much this time of year but yeah this is great because i noticed the flowers and the, the plants and everything are starting to look like hey i might be coming back so it's a good time <laughs> of year yeah my uh, my youngest daughter uh, is doing her phd at the university of washington she lives up in seattle in fact my my wife is up there right now visiting her uh, for the week nice nice well it's a uh, it's actually not a bad place in the wintertime it doesn't get very cold yeah, I love Seattle. I used to do a lot of travel to Seattle in uh, my past business life. And uh, great, great region, great area. Uh, the volcanoes up there kind of scare me a little. That That is one. That is one. I remember I was here for the last big earthquake and I had, you know, growing up in the Midwest. We just didn't have earthquakes. That was a little different. It was different. I was driving down the interstate and it felt like a tire fell off my car. <laughs> that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, it was quite interesting. We don't get earthquakes here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's good. That's good. So it's cool to get to talk to you today, Jim, because, man, we're going to talk today about the importance of content. And, you know, when we talk about the importance of content, I think it's it's cool to get you on because when people talk about corrosions uh, or coatings, you know, just protective coatings, they really don't think about content like many other industrial sectors everybody looks at it and goes why would i do that you know kurt anderson and i do we do the manufacturing e-commerce success on friday and we talk about these things a, a fair amount and it's i think it's universal across the industrial sectors of the world really is that they don't understand how interesting their stuff really is to their customers yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And really, when you look in the manufacturing hemisphere, there's so much there. There are a number of podcasts and there are a number of content creators and, and some of which have a great following and they have great programs and great content. My industry, when you're talking about the coatings and corrosion side, even though they're kind of separate or uh, uh, separate uh, uh, industries, they have a commonality and that commonality all the time is corrosion and fighting against corrosion. But that our industry seemed to be a little bit behind the curve with content. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about the corrosion industry, just give a couple typical examples. I mean, I know, I know like, you know, putting a powder coating on something so it doesn't rust, but give us some interesting examples that you've seen of corrosion coatings that you go, wow, I would have never thought of that. Yeah. So, I mean, when you really think about it, when you're using any types of metals and materials that come from the earth, the ultimate goal when you form those into a steel bridge or a ship or any type of a, a structure, they want to return back to their natural state. In other words, they want to go back to that base element. So oh, they wow. basically corrode. They start to fall apart. And so what a protective coating does is think about it creates a barrier to block 
um, the environmental impact. Um, it could be salt, um, it could be water, it could be atmospheric, and that corrosion is what really accelerates that deterioration of that uh, of that structure. Here in Pittsburgh, we just recently had a bridge that collapsed, and luckily there were no fatalities. This just happened a little over a month ago. And the bridge itself had corrosion issues. In fact, it was targeted to be repaired, but in the state of Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh specifically, um, the uh, Pittsburgh Authority did not request maintenance money to tackle the corrosion. Now, the final report hasn't come out yet, but it's probably going to be a corrosion issue that caused it to kind of slip and then uh, fall down. It, it fell down on itself, basically, in a ravine. Ultimately, that bridge now is going to cost $25 million of taxpayers' dollars to, f to replace it. But if it would, it could have probably been, have been a million or five million to do the repairs to deal with the corrosion and correct the situation. So in the United States, for example, we have aging infrastructure. Now, that could be mm -hmm. transmission towers that are sometimes 70 years old. Well, when the wow. wind hits them, you know, that can fall down. Yeah. Um, water, wastewater, concrete, and the containment for the clarifiers. Um, our bridges, we have a lot of legacy bridges that are historical and still. And so, you know, to get that 100-year bridge, you know, nobody wants to replace the Brooklyn Bridge. We want to preserve it forever. And the same thing when you look at, for example, in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has the most bridges of any city in the world next, I think, to Venice, Italy. And a lot of our bridges are all the old-fashioned plate bridges, which are mm -hmm. bolted together. And so they need to have maintenance, um, replacement of metal, and protective coatings. So it's, a, it's an intensive pro process to do, but it needs to be done in order to ma maintain and sustain that um, survivability and, and life, uh, life cycle of that bridge. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and and I, I honestly I didn't think we we're going to talk about corrosion protection, but I think it's an it, it's interesting when you think about what you just talked about. Mm -hmm. Our infrastructure is aging. A lot of this was built in, oh heck, now how many years ago? Almost a hundred years ago. In yeah, some of this a lot stuff. of it has been. Yeah, you know, because it was built in the in in the year after the 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 uh, Great Depression. Uh, mm -hmm. in the thirties and forties with the public you know, works. Yeah. The public works. Yeah. So that's, you know, we talked about the Tennessee Valley authority, yeah. other things like that, that we're building dams and bridges and all these kind of things across the United States. Uh, and then you look at the, the interstate systems and all that were being built out all through the fifties and sixties. And, and every one of those bridges, like you said, is, is got metal in it or, concrete of sorts mm -hmm. and when you talk about the one that you said too that i hadn't thought about before is protecting concrete from corrosion and, and the same thing with bridges because when a steel bridge comes down it's replaced typically with a concrete bridge so within that you have you have uh cabling that's in there really that adds to stress tensioning and all that and that's where corrosion can attack as well so corrosion you can have attack in the rebar which is metal or when you have these strands that help secure the suspension bridge that's concrete, um, that can impact that as well. And it's just amazing to work in this industry. I mean, I had the opportunity to go up one of the towers at the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, wow. And, and when you're talking about riding an old elevator that's been there for, it seems like forever, it still yeah. operates. It's beautiful to see it. The last time I was in San Francisco, the bridge is in serious need of, of painting. The, the red is turning into a, a pink color. And so, you know, they have their own crews, but they also bring in contractors to do the work as well. But it's just amazing to see how how our ancestors, and I don't want to call them ancestors because we're only talking sometimes 70 or 100 years ago, but our, our four, you know, our, our relatives and, and great-grandfathers and, 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 and grandfathers that built America, it's just amazing to see the work that they did related yeah. to iron and steel. Yeah. And, you know, me living here in Pittsburgh— and you, you know, it. yeah, you think about that, you know, we were, um, you know, at one time during the Cold War, you know, Pittsburgh was a number one target by the Soviet Union because of our industrial capability. Uh, and now my city has transformed more into data, um, information, mm -hmm. and then also medical and scientific work that happens here and a lot of services that come out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So it's amazing to see the transformation. And, you know, you and I were talking earlier about digital transformation, and that's the one thing I want to champion in the corrosion and coatings industry is the digital transformation of both corrosion and coatings 
we went into the pandemic and there was some movement to that because everyone was working from home. But the industries, both industries on corrosion and coatings, really need to embrace it deeply because in order for us to tackle the problems that we face related to corrosion and our infrastructure, we have to educate the um, the citizens out there. We need to educate all areas of life to understand that if we don't have infrastructure, we're not going to be able to do well in the future. We need these roads. We need these bridges. We need the power grid. We need everything that we have. Um, make it survive and carry on. So, um, you know, that's really a big important thing for me when it comes to the corrosion and coatings content that I've done in the past. And um, that's an area that I like to champion very hard. Well, you know, you you brought up a good uh, a good point is how do people understand what we can really do to protect these kind of things? And and I think about it, I think about it from two two standpoints. First of all, the people that have to decide what the heck they're going to do. I mean, if I'm a, if I'm the the head of the the roadworks for the for a state or a county or a city or whatever, how the heck do I know what we can do to a bridge or something like that that has metal and concrete and the best way to protect it for you know from corrosion and just degradation in general. And then two, if I'm the technical person in that, in that state that, or that area that mm -hmm. needs to understand what are my options so I can recommend the right things. And when you talk about this, this is where content comes to play and educating these people within the industry that are really concerned about something like corrosion protection for bridges, for whatever else they're talking about in, in our infrastructure. And who's giving them that content right now? Exactly. That's a great point. And the thing to look at, too, when you're working, when I work with engineers, be it um, in, in some cases, the, the public entities, and even sometimes with the private corporations, when it comes to corrosion and coatings, most of the people were put into that position. They didn't grow up telling their parents, I want to be a corrosion engineer or I yes. want to work around protective coatings. I want to protect uh, these assets that are out there. So they get kind of uh, voluntold. You're now the corrosion uh, engineer, or you're now going to deal with our coating specification. So what they rely on, they rely on the manufacturers that make the coating products. They rely on organizations that have standards and specialized training and accreditations, maybe for contractors. So there's a whole gambit of different entities out there that can provide them information. The end of the day, what's important is that that public entity, that um, private uh, or that corporation, that they have a strong specification in dealing with corrosion and protective coatings as part of that. But they also make sure that they have a very thorough a plan of action when it comes to dealing with their assets because the goal is to make sure that you do maintenance at the right time to maximize the life cycle because overall if a pipeline the worst thing that can happen for example the gas pipeline or an oil pipeline if you have a failure happen because of corrosion or you have a failure of protective coatings on it that could lead to a, a rupture or a blowout that not only will you have loss of of lives sometimes or property, but the public re relations element of that is such mm -hmm. a detriment to that company. And, uh, you know, like I say, there are lots of examples out there of uh, corrosion related issues that have happened, be it buildings that collapse or bridges that fall. Um, and sometimes when we deal with these high wind storms that might happen where you have towers, transmission towers come down because they're so corroded, they just don't have the structural support to hold the power lines up. Yeah, yeah, that's really something when you when you think about how extensive uh, corrosion protection really keeps things keeps things working for us every single day. Yeah. And with protective coatings, I mean, protective coatings is in everything. It's in, you know, it's in those earbuds you're wearing. It's in your mobile phones. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's on the wood that's on your, you know, the hutch behind you. So when we really, everything we have that we work with, that we live with, that we use on a daily basis has some form in most cases of a protective coating on it. It could be as simple as a paint or it could be some type of a sealant. And that's mm -hmm. what protects that from the environment. And a lot of times it can also protect it from uh, other external forces. I mean, we have now nanotechnology and coatings. Um, we even have things that deal with ballistic uh, coatings as well. 
Um, you're eventually going to hear stories of uh, self-healing coatings, and you might see a day where you have a merger of the biological type of coating systems that are in some way a, a living type of coating system like your hmm. skin. Wow. That would be something. That definitely would be. Because the self-healing part of it would be would be a it would be a, just a tremendous benefit to to protecting anything really. Yeah. And I think with the, you know, you're looking at the you know the military's looking at ballistic type of coating systems that will help in the uh, the protection of the of the warrior, but also mm -hmm. too in the protection of of the equipment when it comes to a lot of the capital equipment we have. I mean, we we have um, a, a Navy, we have an Air Force, and, you know, corrosion in a corner of an aircraft wing could lead to a, a catastrophic oh, yeah. failure. Yeah. And so there are so many things when we think about corrosion, um, we really, in some cases, um, we know what needs to be done. And I think what it comes down to is educating and getting it done, prioritizing it. But it comes down to effective planning. If you have a good game plan, you're going to be able to mitigate. You're never going to eliminate it, at least at this time with current technologies. We're not there yet. But you can at least mitigate it and make it manageable. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, you can really tell, Jim, that you're a protective coding specialist because the 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 effortless way you can speak about it in many different phases. You've been in this a while and obviously understand the the industry sector very well. So when you look at this sector, what are some of the the challenges that see, or things that you see around the uh, protective coding sector that that really could be improved with content? Yeah, the first thing is when and I highly encourage, you know, I started off uh, years ago doing uh, and I've done hundreds of uh, uh, short videos, which are more lessons uh, to learn. Uh, I've done also two coatings and corrosion interviews where I talk about technical topics and, and other things related to coatings and corrosion. And on my YouTube channel, if you just search under Jim Kunkel on YouTube, you can take a look at a lot of that material. You know, what I found in the industry was that we have a lack of content creators. We, you know, we have uh, a little bit related to podcast and, and some content, but it's more sales type related and it's very small in, in, in quantity. And so what I highly encourage, and especially in my industry related to corrosion and coatings, people who are professionals in industry need to go out there and create content. Talk about these technical issues. Talk about the impact and the cost of corrosion and the ways that we can help alleviate or ma minimize or manage corrosion with protective coatings, for example. So um, I loved when I had the opportunity to get approved for LinkedIn Live, and I started streaming content in coatings and corrosion. I put it on my YouTube channel, and then I also had to go out on LinkedIn Live here and uh, Twitter, for example. So I mm -hmm. would stream in the multiple platforms. Over time, you know, people started to really you know, reach out to me. And I, I've had the, probably the greatest story I could tell you is a contractor working in the mountains of Pakistan on a pipeline. Um, you know, he had a challenge related to uh, a, a pressure drop when they were doing a brazo blasting up at altitude. And for whatever reason, I think his crew or his company, um, they just didn't have experience working at altitude. And they didn't realize that when you go up in, a, in, in the atmosphere, you have less pressure you're working with. So that means the, you have to be able to adjust and have the right type of equipment. Mm -hmm. And what happened was he started experiencing problems as they were moving up the pipeline to get to the higher elevation. And he had watched one of my interviews that I did with a, a, an equipment company that man, does abrasive blasting equipment. And he realized what the problem he was. So he communicated to that company and they helped him out. And he reached wow. out to me. He says, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that I subscribed to your channel and I watched your content because I'm not used to this. Uh, you know, I just, I do, we do coatings work. And this was the first time we ever did a pipeline and went up a mountain. And boy, I learned a lot from watching that. And I knew how to, who to contact to get uh, the proper equipment, and, but also get yeah. my questions answered. And that made, that made me feel great um, because, you know, here, here it is. I'm just doing a general conversation with somebody about equipment and things like that and technical discussion. And it benefited somebody who, who's running a company and, you know, they're involved in something newer for them. Um, but instead of it being a problem that would have persisted to a point where they would have had a work stoppage, they were able to, you, he was able to utilize the content I was producing to learn something new. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, I think that's what I really enjoy uh, about the content I do. I, I don't monetize anything, um, but I do love to talk to people. I love to interview people, and I love to get information out there. And as you said earlier, I mean, I'm very passionate in the industry I work in because uh, it's been a great industry for me, and uh, it's got a lot of plus uh, side for it. Um, you know, the other area, too, that I like to focus on is trying to educate the younger generation mm-hmm. because we do have some universities and schools that do have corrosion engineering uh, degrees, um, but not enough of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, 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 I listen to you talk and I talk and talk about the coatings industry. And I think about the work that I do in manufacturing and, mm-hmm. and trying to spread the word with manufacturing because we have all of these young people that are growing up and they, they really don't look at the industrial sector for a place to have a career. And there are so many, so many. So many, I will say it one more time, so many different things that you can do in the industrial sector, everything from graphic design to chemical engineering and, and, and welding, you know, there's just, there's just so much. Yeah, I agree. And, and we, we, uh, I'm glad that you talked about educating young people because listen, they could have a great career in coatings. They could have a great career in manufacturing and they could be an accountant. They could be a, you know, like I said, a graphic designer. It doesn't really matter. It's just focusing in on the or choosing it as the niche. Yeah. And I think right now in the current situation that we're facing with not only the pandemic and supply issues, but now we're dealing with these geopolitical issues as well on a global basis. This is the important time period for, for example, for the United States of America to look at our industrial sector, our manufacturing and let's look to bring back manufacturing as much as we can. Now, we, we're not going to be able to manufacture everything. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. But it, we need to have some type of a safeguard because, you know, God forbid a, a major, uh, major event were to open up. And then all of a sudden we are limited because we don't have the capability or we have to rebuild it. Now, I, I know recently there's some development going on with semiconductors. You know, mm-hmm. we rely heavily on Taiwan for semiconductors. You know, God forbid what would happen if there was a go- global mm-hmm. political issue and we were not able to get semiconductors, um, yeah. uh, not only related to the fighting force, but also as the in industries here in America, we would suffer greatly if we don't have that that yeah. product coming in. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a that's a great point is is that to develop some of these things, the these resources locally, because we need a, a good mix of them uh, just just because we do need the security we do need. And, and also some of these some of these resources. Yes. If I'm going to buy a bazillion of something and, and labor is a factor, you may need to go someplace else to get it. Uh, but still, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have part of it coming from the from locally or regionally or, or in the same country, at least. And then, you know, really looking at the overall total cost. I, I interviewed, I don't know if you've ever met Harry Mosier from the reshoring initiative. And heard, yeah, yeah. Harry's awesome. Cause he talks about total cost ownership. And, and I saw this even in manufacturing, working in projects only, you know, 10 years ago or so already that the, the cost of ownership when you consider inventory and shit and well especially in the last couple of years how the shipping has gone so crazy um some of this just the these advantages have disappeared and then when you put in geopolitical or just even from the pandemic how that just snafued the the supply chain it makes sense to have your your uh, resources local or closer yeah, I mean, when you look at, for example, when we're looking at the petroleum engine, uh, petroleum industry, you know, we can we can switch quicker on a dime and start becoming a, a major exporter of energy product related to petroleum. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to semiconductor manufacturing or yeah. media manufacturer, yeah. we just you can't do it. And yeah. you know, the other thing too is what I really want to hear politicians say, not to get too political here on your program is I want to hear talk of balance. And what I mean by balance is, I again, I appreciate, I understand when it comes to cost, you're going to have to work globally related to manufacturing, but you got to have yeah. some balance and not have that unbalance that's crazy where hardly anything's going on in a particular side and everything's coming in from the international mm-hmm. production. You know, that's when it becomes very um, 
very much of a concern if there is an issue. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So let's let's go back to content a little bit because I got some just content questions for you. So how long ago did you really start intentionally creating content? So roughly about a year prior to the pandemic is when I initially launched my YouTube channel and started with zero subscribers. Um, yeah. You know, in the, in the process, you know, the YouTube, it, it can be a grind. And for me, it was a grind. I just went over a thousand subscribers. Yeah. So it, it's taken me over three years to get to a thousand subscribers. But, you know, the thing that I found was that it's a labor of love. And when I started doing content and people would reach out to me saying, hey, I watch your YouTube channel. I love your videos or I look forward to it mm -hmm. because it was a combination for me of doing stuff on LinkedIn and then YouTube. And as uh, the news came out about LinkedIn Live and I started watching these LinkedIn Lives, you know, and eventually I applied for approval, got denied. And then I started posting more content. I was producing video and doing that. Yeah, so yeah. that kind of drove me to do more and more in video. But I found out video is more con video content is more effective than me writing a paper because I do that as well, mm -hmm. or doing a post. And it really seemed to benefit me professionally and also personally when it comes to my, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a protective coding specialist. So you know, I have that certification. Uh, in the coatings industry, but it helped me kind of really work on my brand, my own mm -hmm. personal professional brand, but it also helped me professionally in the, in the role that I was performing as a, you know, full-time, you know, staffer with an organization that focuses on corrosion and coatings. What I really enjoyed about it was the interaction that I got. And when I initially started looking, you know, I'm doing these, these, these this content on a weekly basis. Yeah. And then I'm doing this, uh, these smaller short content as well. When I would reach out to people to schedule them, they would like, I definitely want to do it. And at that point I had maybe, you know, I might have 50 or a hundred subscribers and I had people, cause I thought it would be tough to find guests that were quality guests yeah. to be able, but they saw the value in it. I think they were, they were believers, but they just weren't ready to take that leap. And I, I have uh, several people that have uh, started creating some content, but we need more uh, we need more people to get the message out there. And like I say, you know, the crunch is happening in my industry where, you know, the average age is at 50. I'm going to be 56. So a lot of the people that I find I encounter in corrosion and coatings, they tend to be in the 50s, 60s, some into the 70s and still working in the industry. So we need to, we need to euthanize, mm -hmm. not euthanize, but you know what I mean? We need to bring the youth into, uh, yeah. into this uh, industries uh, that I work in. So, yeah. and I think content will help do that. I really do think that. And you could be any age to create content. You you don't have to be, it's not a, a young person's game. It, it's yeah. at any stage of your professional career or your life. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And I think that that's one of the things I think people, when they start to generate content or think about it, they not to, when they start to think about generating content like this video that we're doing now. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I just started doing them. Mm -hmm. I didn't plan it. I didn't, I didn't even have a little, template around the outside, anything. I just started talking to people because it was one of those things that I knew that I wanted to start doing is sharing people's stories, sharing knowledge that can help other people. And I think if people are considering making content and, you know, you can be, a, you could be an engineer in, in a coatings company that's making manufacturing coatings, or, or you can be where whatever, it doesn't really matter. Just share something about your industry that is a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of education, and a little, and a little bit interesting. And I think you got that. I mean, that's as simple as it is. Yeah. And, and you know, for me, you know, I, I've got the logo. What pointed the wrong way? But the yeah. logo up here of Build Out, you know, Build Out is not related to coatings and corrosion. And it is a main focus for me. It deals in business topics. Yeah. And what I found with Build Out is that when I create a live stream and I do a, an interview, you know, I might have anywhere from 40, 50. Sometimes I have a great guest on where, you know, I might have almost 100 people watching, you know, mm -hmm. in and out watching the live broadcast. But what I find is that the replay of that could be several hundred people watching yes. the replay and then repurposing some clips out of it to help promote it. Uh, that is what really uh, is impactful 
And, you know, I've had uh, different broadcasts where people might reach out to me where, you know, I did that broadcast months ago, but they somehow found it um, in my feed and mm -hmm. um, they watch it, you know, or YouTube, for example, you know, 80%, almost 80% of my views come from people who are not subscribed to my channel. Yeah. So yep. the th cool thing about it is you're not doing hashtags on YouTube. You're doing hashtags on LinkedIn, but you're doing um, keywords and people mm -hmm. search those keywords. So you have to make sure that not only do you create content, but you are using search terms and hashtags eff effectively and efficiently, um, that you're getting people to come in and comment because the more activity that goes on, it, it really feeds into algorithm and then things get pushed and promoted. Give you a good example with build out. Uh, at the end of the year, I had two streams that I did where I had panels come in and we talked about the year in review of 2021, and this mm -hmm. was in December, and then we did 2022, a year to review, the do a preview of 2022. And what was amazing was on the YouTube channel when, and again, I stream on you know Twitter, sometimes Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube at the same time. What ended up happening was the algorithm because the way I tagged it properly you know, I had that that episode, you know, it didn't have a lot of views live on YouTube, but mm -hmm. it, it's gotten over um, six or almost 700 views from mm -hmm. just the search engine and the algorithm promoting it. So I'm, I'm just amazed because it's it's not anything special. It's just us talking about what, yeah. you know, we think's coming up in 2022. But it's, I mean, if you do it right, you really can make a big impact and you can get a lot of engagement. Yeah. Well, and, and what I've noticed too about it being because my my videos are typically like this. We they're not meant to be someone that wants to watch a, a one minute TikTok video and learn something quickly. I'm going to talk about a topic with a guest that's got experience. They've been in it a while, and what I really like to see is I might not get a thousand views on something, but if I get hours of views on a on a single video, then I'm like, okay, people sat and listened to that thing watched it that's what really makes me happy because you you know that it was was something that people digested yeah and, and the thing with it too is you know if i'm correct and, and correct correct me if i'm wrong i believe you like a, a connections network of like thirty-seven thousand on linkedin yeah yeah something like that yeah that is impressive and and so you know the one thing about it when i look at you that's where i'd like to be is in grow that connections network and so I've, I've focused hard on the, the quality of the connections that I make. And then the other thing, what I find is that the engagement is so much better if you are connecting to uh, those on LinkedIn who are, are you're going to benefit from a relationship with them. They're going to benefit from a relation uh, with yeah. you. So, yeah. and that really helps too with the views and then also too with the, um, uh, the use of your content and the, um, the interaction, let's say, uh, from yeah. what you're talking about. So. It, it is. And, and that's, and that's what, you know, like, like you're doing with yours and the build out, you know, my, my whole thing was, is I just don't want to see business owners struggling. I don't yeah. want to see them struggling because in people get into business and they think for some reason, because I got into business and I've been in it a while and I, I, I didn't, I'm one of those people that didn't fail in the first five years. And now yeah. I might have 10, 20 employees or even a hundred employees that I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, but Honest to God, most of those people wake up in the morning and they go, I've got no idea what I'm going to be, what I should be doing today. And oh yeah, all, all we try to do is share information. Let me, let me share one other aspect of, of content as well. Mm -hmm. You can be a small company. You could be in a highly competitive industry. Yep. If you command and control the mind share and that content is really what's driving out there and your competitors aren't doing it or they're, they're doing it very, you know, lackluster, you have a great opportunity. You know, a lot of people say, hey, Jim, you know, with all this graphics and all this, you know, you must spend thousands of dollars on your, out of your own pocket to be able to do what you're doing. And I say, I spend a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, what I do, anybody could do. Uh, I'm yep. nothing special. But you know what's amazing is the impact, the engagement, and the opportunities, like I say, that I've created for my content. So if you're a small, medium company or a large company, if you dominate when it comes to content, you can control a lot of the yeah. market. You can control the messaging. And 
you know, oh, the, yeah. other, uh, the others will be playing catch up with you. I mean, when we look at stuff that goes viral, you know, you talk about TikTok, you know, give you a good example. You know, there was a, a, a Sherwin-Williams uh, store employee who would be rapping while he was um, mixing paint. He had a million followers on TikTok. Oh, wow. So, you know, these alternative or some of these other types of platforms, you know, they are effectively an extension of your marketing and your content, but they're great vehicles. So if you're doing YouTube or you're doing LinkedIn or you're doing TikTok, you know, we're not the old days of doing billboards, print yeah. ads, commercials yeah. on radio. That yeah. still exists, right? But where it's really at is the, the digital sphere. That's where it's all mm -hmm. at. And it's about capturing the mind share and the attention. And if you do that, man, you'll dominate. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about TikTok and I just got to mention uh, Bonnie Strominger with GoLids. I don't know if you've ever seen her on TikTok with the, the GoLids. It's the it's the thing, yep. the clamshell, awesome, recyclable thing that goes on top of a drink and you can put a burger and fries and everything in it and drink your drink while you're walking down the street. She, I know they have to have 10 plus million views on, on TikTok. And then they've got some of them with multi-million views on using that product in action yeah. and showing that product and helping to show people how it's used. And these, these um, platforms are really, like you said, if you, if you own it, I mean, you could have, you could be uh, a company that does specialty coatings for, for, um, municipal water towers or something you know and you could own it you could own it probably if you were the ones that were showing this is how we do it this is why we do you know why we do it this is how our you know just and showing people before and after and working with clients or whatever it is i mean there's just so much you can do from a content perspective that you can do with your darn phone you don't even yeah. have to you don't even have to do much no, you really don't. It's it, like I say, it, you could do it sometimes in a few hundred dollars and make a big yeah. impact. You know, and the other thing, too, that what I've and, and a lot of people in, in my industry say, you know, hey, you're an influencer, Jim. I've never viewed myself that way. But, you know, from creating content, it's going to happen where you're, you're going yeah. to be an influencer. And, you know, I've got different friends, you know, in, in, in the roofing industry, you know, Bruno and OBS. You know, you know, you got people like that or, or big influencers in the roofing industry or some other mm -hmm. industry, you know, yourself and others that are in, in the manufacturing and industrial side. You know, that's what you really want to be able to do is, is create yourself as an influencer so that people will listen to you and they will respect what you have to say. But you have to be you have to be honest. You have to be real. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't you can't be the, the Kim Kardashians. You got to be. <laughs> You got to be authentic. Let's put it that way. And I think that's what people can relate to me. And I have people, I'll be at a conference and people walk up to me and they'll say, you know, it's great to watch your content, to, to hear what you say. And I like how you listen to people because the one thing I'm told a lot is when I interview people, although I'm overbearing you right now and talking a lot, but I, I do like to listen to people because their stories are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's what I want. I want you to talk today, Jim, because <laughs> this is, and, and this is why, I, this is why I interviewed like you, I've seen your interviews before on build out. I've watched how you do it. And I, I love letting people talk because they don't know they've got these stories and this knowledge inside of them. They just don't because it's, it, it's doing it every day. Yeah. Like, like the guy that the guy that programs the, the super complex CNC machine that makes the, the, craziest thing for the space shuttle or, or not the space shuttle anymore but for spacex that that you just never even imagine does it every day goes home doesn't even think about it but if you got them on and they talked about it, it would be absolutely incredible yeah and i you know like i said i'd never monetize and you know the, the coatings and corrosion content i was doing you know when i first started doing it um i said you you i don't want you giving a pitch like a sales pitch on your equipment yeah. or your product yep. or, or service and what ended up happening over time, I would have comments that would come in saying, you guys are talking about technology, you're talking about technique, you're talking about products and services, but you're not giving me a solution. Could you talk a little bit more about what that, that person you're interviewing, what they offer? So it was me trying to discover what's a fine, what's, where's the fine line yeah. from making it kind of an advertisement to really providing some data. And so what I tend to focus on, let's talk about the generic 
Just keep it generic. Don't talk about your name brand or anything. Mm -hmm. Just talk about the technology. Talk about the product, you know, what, what it's made out of, what it does, what the benefit is. And a lot of people really found a great opportunity to learn from that because, you know, now it wasn't be interviewing somebody and they just specifically talked about their brand. They were talking about either a generic concept or they were talking about technology on a technology basis and keeping it simple that way. And people of all platforms, you know, or all backgrounds could really understand what we were talking about. It wasn't over their head. Yeah. Because you know, in my industry, we, we have, you know, acronyms. We have lingo for everything. And a lot of it doesn't make sense. And, you know, I worked internationally in Latin America and, you know, where we might call something like uh, for, you know, for the air hoses going on, a brace of blasting, and you're calling them, you know, a bull, you know, a bull hose, you know, in Latin America, they, they don't know what that means. So, you know, the thing with it is you you got to keep it as, as basic and as simple as you can so that you don't leave people out. Yes. Yes, that, that is. And I like how you explained how you go through the topics with people, because I like to do that, too. I mean, I've got authors that come on once in a while and we mention their books. But, you know, when you talk about the subjects that are covered in their books, that's really what I think gives people the information and the, and some knowledge because they want to learn, be educated and learn, I think, when you're listening to content um, and and really do it that way. I'm glad you explained that a little bit because, yeah, if someone's just going to just going to throw up a sales pitch and you get you probably do. I get contacted by people now and, and you go, well, what do you want to what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about my program. Well, it's probably not going to work out <laughs> for me because we, we're not here just to talk about your, you know, your online, whatever you want to sell or this or that. It's not why I'm here. Yeah. The only time I really will talk about a program, if it's, for example, you know, dealing with a, a, a really important topic like mental yeah. health or, yeah. or yeah. say, you know, something related to safety training and things like that. Not to say to push or promote a certain type of training, but to talk generally about the importance, you know, for yeah. example, with fall protection in my industry. That, yeah. You know, Ooh, there are a, a lot of, there. a lot of critical things, you know, in the industrial side, you know, simple things like eye protection or, you know. Yeah. Um, even back protection, you know, climb, yeah. climbing falls and things like that. So that's the one thing. That's the one thing I tell you. I'm just uh, talking to a friend of mine that that manages a, a, I would say, reasonably large facility. And, you know, talking about safety and talking about how safety has gotten from, you know, we used to kind of regulated 30, 40 years ago in the industry that were, you know, regulations is what really caused safety. Uh, or in, improved worker safety. Yes. But now it's gotten to the point that it really is the minds of the people working is what's keep taking these companies to the next level. When you look at construction or anything or in manufacturing, it's not just that you have the personal protective equipment or you have the right whatever. It's that Damon remembers don't walk that way. Don't lift that way. Don't go over there if, you know, this or that. And if I see somebody else doing it, make sure to help them and, and not let them do it. And it's, it's so much more of a mental game to get that last bit of very important safety uh, improvements done. Because I'm, I'm amazed. I've got, I've got uh, a client that was in the oil field services industry and the level of safety that they need to maintain is incredible. Yeah. And there's no way you can do it if you're just saying, yes, here's your personal protective equipment. You got to wear it, blah, blah, blah. It's they have to be thinking about it all the time. But it's a great point. Yeah, great point. I, I know. Like, you know, I've, I've been on multiple, multiple over the years, uh, project work sites related to protective coatings. And what I really um, look for all the time and, and highly encourage is that that tool uh, toolbox talk that safety talk before the crews go on oh, yeah. talk about hey listen we're working at height make sure of this check your harness your the buddy check system all these important things you got to do because you know one little little mistake can really lead to a cat catastrophe and a lot of yeah. times you know like for example like if you know if you if you're a, a sprayer and you inject yourself with a little bit of you know just a drop of that coating yeah. into your it's in your bloodstream it's it, it could cause um yeah. a, a fatality 
um, it could cause all kind of problems. So, yep. you know, making sure that the workers are aware, hey, listen, I, I got to come down and I got to go to the hospital. Yeah. Know, little things like that. I mean, you might think it's nothing. Oh, it's nothing. But it can be major, major catastrophe yeah. or death. So, you and know, it's a great. It's this is this is a, a great example of of simple content that you can create. Yeah, for your own company or your industry, mm -hmm. and it's and it would take you all of ten minutes to do a quick little video to set up and do it, and just say, hey, don't you know this is what you do if this happens. Yeah. It's, and, and when the, when, you know, when the, when the pandemic rolled out, you know, I was always on the road. I was a road warrior. You know, yeah. I would meet with engineering firms and, you know, a lot of different, you know, the EPCs that work in the oil and gas industry, or they could be firms working in oil and gas industry or directly with the owners. There was times where actually for some of the larger engineering firms, I would create content uh, that they would put into their reference library mm -hmm. so that it might be a 15, 10, 15 minute topic talk about something. Uh, and then this way, when they were either training a new engineer on, you know, how to write a protective coatings uh, a specification or a corrosion plan or an inspection plan, you know, maybe there was things that um, I would provide for them that they would put in a reference library. And the nice thing with that is it's a, a way to continually be engaged with those new uh, staff members that are coming into that role and especially when they're young professionals. And again, they, they want to learn. And mm -hmm. in most cases, they've been thrown into that that um requ uh, that job function and they they don't have a, no a base knowledge they might have some basic understanding but they're not expert yet that'll come in time and if i can help in that process with them develop it and make them experts that benefits me but that benefits everybody because if they are more effective in dealing with corrosion um, we're going to save a lot of money we'll save lives and we could save our infrastructure no matter what it is yeah yeah. And you, you hit one of the things that, that I, one of the topics that I think people completely overlook content and that's for internal training. It is, it is so, so, so simple anymore. If you're in an office environment, you, you can, you can simply put zoom up and record it, your screen doing something to train new employees or train somebody on something. You can take your phone and 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 or put a GoPro on your chest if you're doing something in a, in a in a in an outside setting or someplace where you're moving around and just talk about what you're doing. This this content isn't just to put on social media. This is stuff that you can build a library of training so that now when when Damon comes to work for this company, he goes, "Hey, you know, Susan, she did this training. She walked through her day from beginning to end on the job that you're going to be doing, watch that first. And then we're going to start, then we're going to help you start getting going, you know? Yeah. These things, and they don't have to be pretty, right? They don't have to be some, some production. It's just get, I mean, everybody's used to watching a video like this now that hasn't been produced with tens of thousands of dollars worth of videography equipment and editing and all that kind of stuff. It's if it shows them what they need to know, it works just fine. Yeah. I mean, a lot of content shoot on an iPhone 11, you know, yeah. and it's got, you know, great, great camera. Yeah. You know, and the other thing too, what I like too, if you're in the field and let's say for example, you know, you, you're a company, a contractor works on, on pipeline maintenance and, either the cathodic protection or you're doing coatings they go out there and shoot that video and put that into some type of a content series this way someone who's new or or, or or newer at it or you know coming into that role from another role they can have that immersion a little bit by watching mm -hmm. the video they're they're going to retain more the other thing is when they get out in the field they're going to see exactly what they saw on the video yeah and it's going to resonate better with them because they know now, oh, this is what I'm looking for. Okay, this, that, and the other thing. They just understand much better. And, and the retention of that knowledge or that growth of that uh, experience is much more beneficial for them because it. you don't want to have a doll. Let's just talk about it. I think the video, when they see video, especially in the field or you know, interjected into conversation and have that go back and forth, that's super important as well. Yeah, yeah. Man, Jim, this has been awesome because I think we covered a lot of different areas of uh, areas in content and, and people just need to get to open up their mind a bit more. I think about what content can do for them internally, externally, and, and uh, how it really can help people because 
if you do it right, like you said, if you want to do it to get your brand out, you can dominate a market as a small company. And, you know, internally, you can help your people be more effective, get trained faster, be safer. There's just so many different ways you can apply it. And it doesn't take a, it doesn't take a massive budget and crazy kind of just start trying it. Yeah, especially with video content. You know, I kind of look at it. You know, we went from the silent movies, and those made a big impact. We went into black and white and color movies. Then we had television. And then from television, you know, we started doing things like Laserdisc and VHS. And if you remember the Beta Max, remember Beta? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you got into, you know, downloadable video. Um, you know, I remember a time where you had uh, Netflix, where all you got from Netflix were DVDs and VHS yep. tapes and things like that, right? You remember that. Yes. And yes. where are they at today? They're not doing that. They're, they've totally... Mm -hmm. re so, you know, there are examples of companies that really embrace content, you know, and you, you and I have uh, a mutual friend in Gabay Liao. Yes. And, you know, Gabay you know, has been a, a strong advocate of that content is king. It is not only king, it's also the queen as well. It's all the above. So, you know, content is critical um, for a, a company of any size or a professional. Um, but the nice thing about it is it could be live video because this is live video here, mm -hmm. but it's going to live in a replay as well. But getting that video content out there is super important no matter what industry you are. And in my industry, I need to see and I want to see more content creators that are focused on cor uh, corrosion and content. And um, it doesn't matter if it's a company's doing it or if it's the professionals doing it. I highly encourage it because it's very beneficial. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks so much for being here today. We had Jim Kunkel here talking about the importance of content and lots of different examples. So if you didn't listen to this whole thing, go back through, listen to it. I'm sure you're going to find some ideas for content. If you want to learn more about it, you can sure talk to Jim. He's under James Kunkel, uh, on PCS yeah. on LinkedIn. So reach out to him there, connect with him and, and uh, he can uh, give you some pointers there. Also, you can find me Damon Pastalka on LinkedIn, as you know, uh, but thanks so much for being here today, Jim. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody uh, watching uh, live and also in the replay. You bet. We'll be back again later this week. Have a great evening, everyone.